Hey guys, this week's podcast brought to you by Kent Cartridge and Fast Steel 2.0. I've been shooting Kent for over God, 15 years when I was in college. I had to wait tables and bartend just to be able to afford shotgun shells to go duck hunting. Nothing's changed in that time frame. Kent killed ducks then, and it kills ducks now. That's why I still shoot it. Fast Steel 2.0 is just the evolution of Kent's reliable, effective, and industry-leading steel shot technology. You can find it at your local dealer or uh, head over to kentcartridge.com to check out their entire lineup of shot shells. Here we clean our guns while we turn our cheese. We're like angels and demons and dogs in heat. So baby, raise your glass, but don't cut your teeth. Just show your sweet tooth grin to everyone you meet. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Cable Smith welcoming everybody into episode 603 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. It is great to be here talking, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks. Thanks for dropping by today. Do appreciate each and every one of you. Hope you and yours had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, man, we did. And I was responsible for the turkeys, which isn't a headache until you're trying to, ooh, our family's crazy. Uh, I had to take one turkey over to Aaron's side of the family in the morning, then have another one ready for the afternoon. So cooking two damn turkeys at different times, it'd be a lot easier if you just cook them at the same time. Right. But, uh, thank God for a pellet grill that made the, the process a lot easier. Here's a question for you. Do you brine your turkey? Uh, everything, and and I always do, but you know everything you read says it helps retain flavor and moisture. But I've talked to a lot of folks who don't just completely skip that step. We certainly brined ours for I think it was like six or eight hours in a cooler. But where we did screw up, and why I have two extra turkeys in the freezer, is because my wife was like on Monday. She's like, "All right, get the no." It was Sunday when I got home from the deer lease. Get those turkeys out of the freezer and put them in the fridge to thaw out. But Tuesday morning, they were still rock hard. So then we're like, these aren't going to, there's no way these are going to defrost by Thursday morning at 4 a.m. when I have to get up and do all this stuff. Whatever it is, uh, they weren't going to be ready. So back to Costco, she went, bought two more <laughs> already thawed out turkeys, and now I've got Two frozen 15-pound birds in the freezer. I guess we'll have turkey again for Christmas. Uh, anyway, we've got a great show lined up for you today. So you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of Black Rifle coffee out of that beat-up old Stanley Thermos, the one granddaddy passed down years ago. Because we're ready to rock and roll. And off the top. Some crazy stuff regarding COVID-19 and white-tailed deer. Yes, they are testing positive for COVID-19, but who gave it to who? Did people give it to deer, or has COVID-19 just existed in North America for a long time? If you connect the dots, this might shoot holes in the whole bat theory as to how this pandemic started. But crazy enough, the state of Wisconsin, the DNR, is telling hunters to wear a mask when cleaning white-tailed deer this fall. Is that insane? Or is that something that we all need to be doing? Uh, Alan Kane, 
our Texas Parks and Wildlife Whitetailed Deer Program Leader, our old buddy. He'll jump on to uh, talk us off the ledge of whitetail insanity. Or maybe he'll say, yeah, you should double mask. Make it N95s, too, while you're at it. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but we'll also get a CWD update, anthrax, EHD, all kinds of transmissible diseases that whitetail deer can give to each other and maybe to you or I. Again, this isn't a fear-mongering show. The left's got that under control. So this will just be actual facts and science <laughs> coming at you with Alan. Then a pair of buddies find themselves in a life-or-death situation after a casual afternoon fishing trip goes terribly wrong. An unprovoked wild boar attack left Garrett Robertson needing to be life-flighted out of West Texas. And uh, him and his pal Philip Robbins jump on to discuss what exactly happened and the severity of Garrett's injuries on that fateful afternoon. So interesting stuff coming up with Garrett and Philip here in just a little bit. As you typically, I mean, everyone knows feral hogs are dangerous, right? But generally speaking, people don't get attacked by them very often. So uh, certainly a rare occurrence and an unprovoked one even more so. Uh, that's what's on the docket for today. Going to be a good one. I guarantee you that. Let's uh, let's do a quick giveaway. How about one of my Lone Star Outdoors show Unwoke t-shirts? And we'll throw in a NUMA Outdoors cap as well. Just uh, email the word whitetail. That's whitetail to Lone Star Outdoors show at gmail.com. And also don't forget, NUMA's uh, Black Friday sale is still going strong. Save 10% off orders over $100, 20% off orders over $200, and 30% off orders over $300 when you check out at numaoutdoors.com. We've got all that great hunting apparel right there on the website. Let's take that break. Up next, COVID-19 and whitetail deer. Are we all going insane? If you're listening to SCI's Lone Star Outdoors. Tried to give her right. She said, hell no. Just needed time alone. Be on her own in Johnson City's alone. Okay, we'll hear for Big and J Whitetail Attractants. Few things are more enjoyable than to watch the kids put out the Big and J BB squared and then start beating dad up to look at his cell phone. Why? Because they want to see what bucks are coming to eat the Big and J. You can find their entire lineup of Whitetail Attractants at BigandJ.com. Tactical Skeleton Firearms specializes in custom AR-10 firearms. They're best known for their AR-10 308 pistols. Also, dual-caliber AR-10 rifle systems and dual-caliber AR-15 takedown pistols. Tactical Skeleton specializes in custom Cerakoting engraving, and they'll custom laser cut the foam insert inside your hard gun case. They'll also take on any exotic caliber build offered on the AR-10 or AR-15 platform. Precision machining and hand-built quality guaranteed by a lifetime warranty? Who does that? Get free shipping on your order when you visit TacticalSkeleton.com today. There's something nostalgic about the old-timey general store, and that's exactly what you're going to find in downtown Goldwave, Texas, at the Mills County General Store. They're licensed FFL with rifle, pistols, and shotguns, ammo, gun accessories, hunting accessories, deer corn, and attractants, sporting goods. They've got a wide array of knives to choose from, plus insulated apparel for both work and camo for hunting season fishing supplies they've got foods like anchor tea grass-fed beef dublin sodas gourmet sauces and a whole lot more also ace hardware from wall to wall they have it all check it out the mills county 
general store right there in Goldthwaite, Texas. Can I refill your eggnog for you? Get you something to eat? Drive you out to the middle of nowhere? Leave you for dead? No, I'm doing just fine, Clark. Mom got drunk and dad got drunk At a Christmas party We were drinking champagne punch and homemade eggnog all right, Cable Smith, welcome everybody back into USCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. You can now officially start playing that Christmas music. Thanksgiving has come and gone. And all of you violators, you know who you are, who've had your Christmas lights on for the past month. Well, now you're in compliance. So I might catch some flack for saying that, but that's not how we roll at the Smith House. you got to get through one holiday before you start celebrating the next one but it seems like it gets earlier every year i think i was hearing like christmas music on the radio literally the day after halloween like no november's here yay christmas no thanksgiving first pilgrim then christmas so merry christmas to you and yours (laughs) officially and hope you have plans to hunker down with a glass of eggnog and watch christmas vacation this week um, this segment of the presentation proudly brought to you by Stealth Cam and the DS4K camera. Talk about incredible video clarity. I literally put together a couple of clips of a coyote eating grasshoppers in front of that camera this past week. They were from like uh, the last week of October. You could see the grasshopper jumping and the coyote catching it and chopping down on it. It's incredible. You can find the DS4K trail camera at Stealth Cam. Dot com. With that being said, it's time for a Texas CWD, uh, anthrax, and EHD update. Also, some crazy stuff coming out of Wisconsin. They're advising hunters to wear a mask when cleaning white-tailed deer this fall. Sounds like a bunch of hogwash to me, uh, but I figured we should investigate with our Texas Parks and Wildlife white-tailed deer program leader, Alan Kane. Man, it's probably been a year or two, but I don't think we talked during covid but certainly we've got a, a good rapport and you've been on the show many times over the years so it's great to have you back on yeah always glad to be here cable my pleasure uh lots to get into today let's start with the new uh triple t regulatory changes and um i just read it i just saw a headline i didn't dive into it since uh you were going to be here i figured you'd just break it down for us but uh what has changed and what does that mean going forward yeah, that's a good question. So um, <coughs> recently at uh, uh, our commission meeting in November, the commission adopted rules that suspended Triple T until further notice. Um, and they were pretty clear in the directions. It wasn't something that I think the commissioners wanted to get rid of. Um, they wanted staff to come back with a proposal in January and the latest March with a plan to bring, bring Triple T back for the 2022-23 trapping season. So next year, um, and the the reason we suspended or the commission suspended um, the program uh, this year is just because of the chronic wasting disease issues that um, we've been dealing with the last, you know, six, eight months. Um, We found uh, CBD and seven new captive facilities. Um, and there's some concern that it's out there on some release sites that may re- may have received some CBD 
exposed or potentially CBD positive deer. We don't know. You know, we're working through um, herd plans and epidemiological investigations on these particular properties. And so for the time being, um, everybody thought uh, out of an abundance of caution um, to put put the brakes on the program for a little bit and then come back with uh, something that uh, we can provide some confidence that we're not moving that disease around from those free ranging populations. And, so, and just for anyone that's unfamiliar, what does triple T stand for? Oh, that's a good point. Uh, it rolls off the tongue because I talk about it all the time, but mm-hmm. uh, triple T stands for trap, transport, and transplant. And so just for the listeners out there, um, this is a permit that allows private landowners that are issued a, uh, this triple T permit through the department to catch and move deer from one property to another deer, another property um, where they can be released, um, provided there's suitable habitat and adequate um, habitat available to, available to support those additional deer uh, on that landscape. And, and so that's what that triple T program's about. Currently, um, trap sites are required to provide 15 not detected CBD tests in order to be uh, qualified to move. Um, and really, we don't have a, a lot of triple T permits every year um, where you see uh, a lot of use for that particular permit is um, some of those counties in that anthrax country. So Ozona, uh, Sonora, Rock Springs area, Edwards uh, County, Sutton, and uh, Crockett County. There we had we had a pretty big anthrax outbreak in 2019, mm-hmm. and from our population estimates in 2018 till 2020, when we did them again, it went from in that deer management unit, which we call deer management unit four, it went from about 415,000 deer to about 200,000 deer. So pretty wide scale. Um, population level impact over there in that area and so you'll yeah. see landowners over there restock with some of these triple t deer okay and but those are all like high fences yeah no surprisingly so we're, we're restocking on the open range on the open range okay. and that anthrax country that's um that's a lot of there's some high fences out there but a lot of it's bigger ranches um yeah that are just looking to restock, you know, some of those places lost up to 80, 90% of their estimated deer population on the ranch. And it could be a 10 or 15,000 acre ranch. And so if you're that landowner um, trying to find a way to do, you know, derive some income from hunting, uh, if you don't have whitetails out there or something for people to hunt, then you want to restock obviously. And so there's some of those instances um, where people use that triple T permit to try to, augment that population so that's all privately funded does texas parks and wildlife actually do any whitetail restocking effort on their own we do not the department stopped um restocking uh, golly over 20 something years ago probably 30 years ago we stopped moving deer around the state essentially um viewing the the white-tailed deer population uh is stocked across the state you know there may be individual pockets uh where deer densities are low or the habitat's not as great or you have some of these disease outbreaks where there's is some purposes for restoration effort um but we allow the triple t permit for some of these landlords to take advantage of that and then the other thing um, you see people moving deer 
under triple T permit with um, hopes of genetic improvement. Um, they're going to try to, you know, secure deer from a particular ranch that may be well managed, takes care of its deer population, hopefully to get a jump start <coughs> on the deer population that they're wanting to start on their ranch. Uh, especially, you know, some places may have recently fenced and they're looking to bring some animals in um, to get that population going and wanted it from a quality source. Okay. Yeah. And anthrax is one of those crazy things people don't realize, you know, when you talk about an anthrax outbreak in deer, I think like just from what we've seen in uh, popular culture in recent times, they're like anthrax. You mean that stuff people tried to mail in the, uh, you know, postal service 15 years yeah. ago or whatever it was? like terrorist stuff. Oh, this anthrax lies dormant in the soil um, in in certain regions like West Texas. Um, and then if all the conditions are right, it comes back to the surface. The deer, I guess they ingest it or inhale it? Yeah, ingest it and, and potentially inhale it. You, you typically see it where you have a real, um, you know, good wet season, um, kind of cool, followed by hot, dry weather for an extended period of time. And then as conditions deteriorate, um, drought takes hold, you have, uh, you know, some of the pastures get grazed down. And so now you have all this dust sitting there and those anthrax spores are in the soil. And so those, it's easier for those deer to pick it up. And so, you know, we tell people try to maintain um, good ground cover on the landscape. You want, uh, you know, want to overgraze your place. And so if you can rotate your livestock, that's appropriate that helps uh, keep some grass cover keeps the that dust from boiling up or getting on the plants and uh, that the deer or cattle or anything else are consuming okay um and how is the cwd situation looking in, in 2021 obviously enough concern to suspend triple t um, but is it is it worse than it has been in previous years the number of positives is increasing. We're up to 269 um, as of today, I think. Uh, <clears throat> we've got 69 positives in free-ranging populations, uh, which is not too terribly bad. I mean, you don't want the stuff anywhere, uh, right. but uh, we've got it in the Trans-Pecos where it has been since we found it in 2012, but it really hadn't expanded outside of that zone, so that's good news. Same thing in the Panhandle. Um, since 2016, it's um, still within that containment zone over there. Um, and then uh, we did have a free-range positive mule deer show up in Lubbock County, just east of town. And so that was a bit surprising. Um, it's kind of a, you know, you would expect it to be a little bit of an isolated area, but mule deer travel long distances. So, um, you know, that's a little little bit surprising on that one but other than that in del rio and medina county it's still within those free-ranging populations there um, and really hadn't expanded outside those zones so that's good news uh, on the other hand we've seen um uh, like i mentioned earlier a number of pauses in captive facilities uh this past year um and so that gives the, the department concern and our commission concern about the disease um you know, where it's at on the landscape, where it's been sent to. And so obviously the commission uh, adopted rules to try to put safeguards in place and some measures to uh, keep it contained where it is. And if um, folks are going to be moving deer, such with under a, a deer breeder's permit, whether it's to other facilities to release such or whatever, then there's some 
additional testing measures in place and it's hopes to catch the disease sooner than later and prevent it from spreading to other places. Okay. Um, let's do this, Alan. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back, shift gears, and talk about COVID-19 in white-tailed deer, the Wisconsin DNR specifically advising hunters to mask up when cleaning white-tailed deer this fall, necessary or a bunch of fooey. Uh, we'll discuss next that segment brought to you by All Seasons Smokers. I just got the brand new pellet grill. You can find All Seasons Pellet Grill, which by the way, absolutely love. You can find their pellet grill, which is so easy. If you don't have a pellet grill, what are you waiting for? You just set the temperature and you walk away. That's it. You don't, No staying up all night long to you know, smoke that brisket, or that rack of ribs, whatever it is you're doing. No, you don't have to check the temperature. You don't have to man the fire. Set it, walk away. You can find All Seasons Pellet Grill at allseasonsfeeders.com. We'll be right back with more from Texas Parks and Wildlife Whitetail Deer Program Leader Alan Kane on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Boy Scouts are selling tickets to an enchilada dinner. Well, they'll raffle off a shotgun by chance be a winner. It's all the news, it ain't the news, but it's all you need to know. When your whole world turns around the sound of small town radio. Hey, hey, everybody. Cable here for Go Wild. If you're like me, trust me, these clowns have been censoring me for a long time. But if you're like me and you can't seem to make heads nor tails of what the hell's going on on traditional social media platforms like, you know, the one that Zuckerberg owns, well, let me tell you about Go Wild. It's a place where like-minded folks are sharing ideas, hunting tips, fishing tips, recipes, all that great outdoor content that you and I both love. You can find it on Go Wild. And here's an even better thing that they're doing right now. They've got an online store. And if you sign up, that's right, it's it's a free account. That's, that's all you have to do is just go to a download Go Wild. You sign up, create your account there. You'll get a free $10 gift card to spend on Go Wild's outdoor gear store. Brands like Garmin, Vortex, Irish Setter Boots, Treason, North Mountain Gear, and many, many others. They're all right there in the Go Wild store, and you can use that $10 credit on anything you want. It's that easy. Sign up at downloadgowild.com. Take advantage of your $10 reward gift card, and uh, and you and you build points, too. Um, that's another thing. It's a, a rewards program. So the more you spend, the more points you get. You can find it all at downloadgowild.com, and I'll see you over there. Cable here, and if you're like me, you probably enjoy bold flavors and cuisines. And nobody does Cajun and Creole better than Chris's Specialty Foods in Frisco. Their forte includes specialty sausages, boudins, and andouille, pre-cooked soups, gumbos, and sides, where all you have to do is heat it up. What about high-quality steaks, smoked and fried turkeys, turduckins, and turduckin rolls for the holidays, plus gift boxes. Storefront conveniently located off Dallas Parkway in Frisco, or shop online at chrisspecialtyfoods.com and have it delivered to your door. I've been packing my gear, now open day's near. I'm saving up change for poker all year. I've sighted my gun and got plenty of ammo. I'm going in the woods in full camo. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready. 
Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back to SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thanks for being here as we're still visiting with Texas Parks and Wildlife Whitetail Deer Program Leader, Alan Kane. Lots more to get into, specifically whether or not you should be wearing a mask when cleaning deer this fall. Sounds asinine, right? That's probably because it is. We'll see. Uh, one state wildlife agency has told its hunters they should do exactly that. But uh, we'll get into that momentarily. This segment brought to you by Safari Club International. That's SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I'm a proud member. You should think about joining us because no organization is doing more to protect your rights as a hunter. Meanwhile, furthering the conservation initiative through sustainable use hunting. That's right. Nobody. For more information, or uh, if you want to come to the convention in January taking place in Las Vegas, it's all right there on the website. Head over to safariclub.org. And picking it back up here with our good friend Alan Kane of Texas Parks and Wildlife. I, I read this headline the other day, and I couldn't believe what I was reading. And it was put out by the Wisconsin DNR, and they were advising hunters to wear a mask when cleaning deer this fall, like because of <coughs> possibility of contracting COVID from a dead deer. So I don't know if that, if there's any validity to that or not, but I figured we better get what Texas parks and wildlife has to say, you know, what, what, what our stance is on that. Uh, because to me, it just seems like absurd for every deer hunter to be masking up yeah, that's a good question. That's been in the news lately. I've seen it just on uh, headlines on the internet and different articles. But um, and I think there's some new research coming out. But the stuff that, that uh, some of the early work that I'm familiar with was done um, through the USDA APHIS Wildlife Services, um, and those folks are really the expert. Uh, people to visit with about the, the studies, but I, essentially what that initial project found is that, um, that and I can't remember the, all the states, there's New York, maybe Illinois, and a couple other states up there in the Midwest or Northeast where they were sampling some deer, and, um, and I believe it was just serum they were looking at, but there was like 40% of those deer had antibodies to uh, COVID. And so obviously that's concern. Um, but it wasn't like it was widespread spread and uniform. Is that, and is that COVID-19 or is that just some other type of SARS? Well, they, they say it's SARS-CoV-2, which is, uh, the way I understand that's COVID-19 or what okay. we're, what people are dealing with. It's, um, and so, uh, I guess there's evidence that it's trans and I think there's some new workout. Um, and I hadn't read all the, the new research paper, but there's some new indications that um, COVID could be transferred to deer uh, through from people. But uh, you'd have to, you know, I question, I just, we don't know, or I don't know enough um, because you've got to be in close proximity to a live animal. So obviously urban areas or something where people are feeding deer in the front yard or a rehab, or I could see some of that spreading, but for it to be blanket across a, um, you know, large population of animals, uh, there's some questions about that. Nonetheless, um, you know, other states like Wisconsin, you mentioned, are advising people to wear masks, and we're not doing that uh, in <laughs> okay. Texas here, and I just, 
what I would tell people is just, you know, if you have a concern, then go talk to your physician or whatever and ask them about it. Um, but I just, the risk is probably pretty low um, that you're going to pick it up from field dressing a deer. Or Seems like a bunch of fear mongering to me. Uh, yeah. So. What's interesting though is, so these deer are testing positive for COVID-19. I wonder if these deer had COVID prior to this outbreak of the last two years, like, because we're all saying this thing came originated in China, whether it came from bats or the Wuhan lab really is insignificant, but did this strain of, of SARS already exist in North America in our whitetail herd? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, and I don't know that we have a good answer um, or a way to, to find that out. Right. Um, you would have needed to be tested prior to when all this popped up. Um, yeah. But if, if they did have COVID prior, and there is this thought that it could jump from animal to person, then it seems like COVID would have been around, COVID-19 would have been around here a lot longer. Yeah, this logically. So if it was here previously, you would think that it would have jumped from deer to person. So maybe the bat thing is a bunch of BS. Yeah, to uh, your point, if it, if it had been in the, wild free-ranging white-tailed deer population, which I think we estimate about 30 million nationwide, we would have right. seen it, I would suspect, pop In up person, deer hunters right. over the years, and we right. haven't. So what they're finding now is probably a result of just the pandemic over the last, whatever, year and a half, two years that we've been dealing with and, um, and seeing that popping up. You know, they've had it in some other animals i think there's been some tigers and maybe it's i can't remember snow leopard or something you hear about these things on the news where some of these animals have died in zoos and stuff so there's potential for that exposure but the so question either, so people, people either gave it to deer or the deer just always had it and can't give it to people i guess is the the point yeah and i would suggest you know just based on some of the information that's coming out with some of these research prop papers that it's probably um you know deer contracted it from people rather than having it and being out there in that population out there. But, um, you know, it's something to ask the epidemiologists and disease experts, uh, especially these yeah. uh, folks conducting some of these research projects like the USDA wildlife services would be a good, good avenue to, to touch on. But, um, you know, I, I think wonder, the point when, that when you made. Pfizer vaccines coming out for white-tailed deers? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody can make a lot of money if you think about that. Just put it in your feed. There yeah. you go. Um, yeah. But it seems easy. like they recover from it. If 40% of these, uh, of course, these are specific geographic regions, specific populations, but if 40% of these animals are testing positive for antibodies, it seems like the recovery rate's pretty, pretty good. Yeah, and I haven't heard of any um, issues with clinical symptoms or uh, significant mortality events related to COVID and so in whitetail deer. So I think that's a, another good positive uh, yeah. aspect of all this is deer don't appear to be sick. And I, again, I think to your point, there's probably very low likelihood of, of a deer infecting a hunter. And so I would be, wouldn't yeah. be too concerned about it. Yeah. Well, especially one that's not breathing. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Like, is that Certainly. how this thing is transmitted? Like, <laughs> yeah. you probably wouldn't want to be digging around in the lung tissue and, right, you know, cooking that up or something. But again, you know, like most hunters, we tell people, 
you know, if you're field dressing a deer and you got a chance to wear some rubber gloves or some latex gloves, do that. Mainly just there's deer have a lot of things, you know, uh, the parasites and, and just keep your hands clean, you know, but that's just an added sense of precaution if you want to do that. I don't do that. Alan, I'm not going to lie. I don't, yeah. uh, I'm willing to roll the dice there and the, the blood doesn't bother me. So, well, so what are a few of those other parasites or nasty things that you could pick up from a deer if you weren't wearing gloves, theoretically? Just different bacteria out there. Um, and uh, you'll see deer, and I forget the name's going to slip my mind right now, but um, you'll see deer with infections. And uh, there's a little bacteria that's pretty common um, out there on the landscape. You'll see it around feeders and places like that. And I've seen deer at locker plants, hunter bring them in, and they'll have a big mass on the mm. face, part of the hip or something. You cut it open, and it's just a green bush oh. comes out of there and it's a pretty yeah. serious infection and uh yeah oh, okay, i might wear gloves for that actually i don't know that i would clean that that deer yeah, I, yeah I those know. those type of deer you know get rid of the hind quarter whatever the bad piece is yeah. and eat the other stuff but yeah. um i mean white-tailed deer i haven't heard of them carrying uh trichinosis or, or brucellosis like feral hogs they could be exposed to it uh, or tb tuberculosis would be the the bigger issue but those are rare instances and i don't recall any cases here in the state um at least in recent years we've had those sorts of issues it's just it's like anything that you're cleaning the animal it's just yeah you know, well going going back to the anthrax outbreak we saw in west texas could you get anthrax from an infected animal certainly or would can. that animal have physical signs of you know being in distress and being sick i don't know what the it, the uh the symptoms are and how fast that kills a whitetail generally once a, a whitetail deer has anthrax um it's going to die really quickly okay. in a couple of things so anthrax you see that outbreaks occur um late summer um, you'll see some uh, maybe early mid-july and then it carries on through early september then the first cool weather snap we get that kind of um squashes the anthrax or um sets it back where it's not an issue by the time hunting season rolls around. But, uh, you know, I'd be, if I was out there and I was hunting early in the season, early October, um, in one of those anthrax areas, and I saw a deer that was in poor health, um, maybe had some blood coming out of its nose, mouth, oh, eyes, yeah. any orifice, those are indications that um, you potentially have anthrax. But the thing is, if you're at your deer lease out there and you walk up on a dead deer and it's pretty fresh, uh, especially in that area, I'd probably leave it alone. I wouldn't go over there poking on it or kicking it or something where you can uh, accidentally inhale some spores uh, from that anthrax. You know, most people we tell them um, in that part of the world is burn that carcass. You know, if you get a, put a brush pile on top of it, burn it. Okay. Huh. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, anthrax sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a yeah. bad, bad disease. And it's all like it seems like everyone's always up in arms about cwd um and and also we get we don't really have them so much or maybe we do well like do we have wide-scale ehd die-offs in texas or is that more of like a, a midwest thing that's a midwest southeast uh, up in montana we do have die-offs every year they're mm -hmm. not uh, significant um i had a ranch i was working with in frio county 
last year and they had a touch of EHD, lost about 30 deer, including a couple of big bucks. And it was early, relatively early in the season. It was late September, early October, and um, which is unusual. Texas deer have been exposed to EHD over the years and, um, and have built up a resistance to it. And so, and then that's passed down from mother to fawn. And, and so those deer generally survive uh, and they've been exposed to it. Where you see issues um, is where you have new strain at EHD. Um, there's different uh, strains. There's, mm. I think we have EHD serotype six and there's a 12 and the one, and I can't remember all of them, but there's a number of different ones. And if you had something that showed up here in Texas, that was, a novel area, you might see some impacts, but the bigger issue I see is in urban areas. Um, San Antonio's got an urban deer problem. We commonly see dead deer over there, either starving from malnutrition. Um, There's a lot of bow hunters in San Antonio, by the way. We need them there. That problem, if the yes, HOAs it would be would helpful. Stop and, being uh, so ridiculous, you know. Yeah, it is. And in those areas, you'll see deer. We'll run some tests on occasional uh, deer that you'll see up. Uh, EHD show up in them. And so, uh, and that's the cause of, like the cause of death. And so instances where they're just in poor health, it could have an impact. And then you see it in, um, in some of the captive pens um, where you've got some Northern influence, um, you know, whether it's semen that they were bringing in or whatever it was, but uh, those deer might be a little bit more susceptible to EHD outbreak, outbreaks in Texas. But normally we don't have an issue like the Midwest, um, some of the Southeast states or, um, now do they have going back to that thing about like what I was getting at is we, we always hear CWD EHD to a lesser degree. We don't really hear anthrax. Like, is that just something that we get to claim in Texas is the thing that's killing our deer? Does, are there other hotbeds across the country? Because like, if you were to pick up, uh, outdoor life or field and stream guarantee you, there's going to be maybe not every, uh, issue certainly, but periodically they're going to focus or if you were to go to the uh, qdma's website it's going to be cwd ehd i don't see a lot of articles on anthrax no that's a localized disease issue we deal with in texas i'm unaware of many states that have the significant outbreaks that we do and even in texas it's relegated to that southwestern portion of the hill country you know yeah. from uh, del rio to uvalde up just west of Junction and all the way back out towards the Pecos River there. Okay. Um, so we don't have... Uh, so we get to you know, clean that all for our own. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we do, right. unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And a lot of those ranchers, it's been out there for many years. You know, they've had to deal yeah. with the livestock and deer. And so those ranchers, a lot of them are used to it um, and know that there's cycles of it. Yeah. Well, uh, fascinating stuff today, Alan. I appreciate the update. I do see uh, some nice duck mounts on your wall there. You see a nice green-winged teal drake, a blue-winged teal drake, a gadwall. But yep. what's what's missing from your, your teal collection there is the cinnamon teal. I'm working on it. So we need to go down on the Rio Grande, down to Basapata, Laredo. I hear there's a bunch of them down there. I'm, so I've only ever seen one, and that was when I was spring turkey hunting. Uh, oh, Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was. I thought it was like a ruddy duck at first, but I was like, got my binos out, and I was like, holy moly, there's a there's a cinnamon teal on that tank, and nice, uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful bird. But yeah, we certainly don't get them where I live in North Texas. Um, maybe some out out towards Lubbock, I hear guys, or go to the Pacific yep. Flyway, uh, New Mexico, and 
further west. They've, they've yeah, further west. And, uh, mm. They say the Rio Grande's got a fair number of them. Mm. And it's okay. uh, from Carrizo down to uh, Zapata County. So yeah. you have to look it up sometime. So do you do a lot of duck hunting then? A little bit. My son uh, is a, he loves to duck hunt. We've got a little, a friend of his has got a farm pond or a couple of them. And, um, and we go there, uh, you know, just when it's about 10 minutes from the house, we go oh, there nice. just when we have time. In fact, he was just out this morning, he came in, he goes, man, there was 83 ducks on the pond. There was a ring neck and some teal, green wing teal and the uh, widgeons, some pretty widgeons and then uh, yeah. nice gadwalls out there. And so we may go try it this week. Nice. I was driving back from the deer lease uh, this past weekend and I, for the first time noticed pretty much at least a few ducks on every tank that I, that I passed, you know, so it's a good sign. Yeah. It's been a little slow, I guess. I don't know if the, hopefully we'll get some cool weather and keep pushing them down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool stuff, Alan. I appreciate the time as always, man. It was great catching up. Thanks for your insight. And uh, I look forward to our next visit. Sounds good. Cable. Take care. So there he goes. Texas Parks and Wildlife Whitetail Deer Program Leader, Alan Kane, our old buddy. Uh, that segment brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee Company. I'm sipping on a cup of the Power Llama right now. Man, great brew. And here's the cool thing. You'll save 20% off of America's favorite coffee company, veteran-owned and operated, by the way. But you'll save 20% off your favorite roasts and all of that cool Black Rifle Coffee swag, the caps, t-shirts, the unapologetic stuff that they've become known for it's 20 percent off when you use my promo code lone star 20 at checkout at blackriflecoffee.com up next a wild boar attack leaves two friends in a life or death situation you're listening to sci's lone star outdoors Hey guys, Cable here, and if you're listening to this show, you probably like ARs. And I'm not talking about antler restrictions, I'm talking about, you know, ARs, modern sporting rifles. And Timber Creek Outdoors has the best way I've found to take your AR to the next level. It's the Enforcer Kit. It features high-end performance parts and jaw-dropping looks. It's perfect for sportsmen, competitors, firearms, enthusiasts, and people who trust their lives to their equipment, like you and I. When combined together, these parts improve usability, as well as ergonomics, big word there, and dependability of any small-framed modern sporting rifle. Timber Creek products are manufactured by Americans in the USA, God bless America, and they implement uncompromising quality control and offer a lifetime warranty. They've got a bunch of different color options, something for everybody. I've got a Hunter Green Enforcer Kit on my 224 Valkyrie. Absolutely love it. You will, too. Check out the Enforcer Kit at TimberCreekOutdoorsInc.com. If you're looking to remodel your home, add a deck or arbor to the back patio, redo your fence, or build your dream home from the ground up, look no further than ECR Construction Group. My longtime bow hunting buddy, Josh Brown, is someone you can trust to deliver honest work on time. ECR Construction Group also serves the North Texas area, specializing in roofing, barn dominium builds, painting, and carpentry. So for your next project, call the folks I trust. That's ECR Construction Group at 214-400-1444 or ecrcg.com. 
In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman. Visit BobcatofDallas.com today. You can't tell who might be stowed away Shivering there while the boxes sway Who might jump before the light of day You can't tell There's a night train Rolling by night train Rolling by night train Cable Smith, welcome everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. This segment is brought to you, by the way, by the new Mossberg 940 Pro Waterfowl. I've been using mine this season for dove, for ducks, for sandhill cranes. Absolutely love this gun. It is a sweet shooter. It's the new platform, uh, semi-auto loading platform for Mossberg coming in at under $1,000. Here's a cool thing. You can shoot it 1,500 times before they even recommend cleaning it which is like love at first sight for me. <laughs> so pick one up at your local sporting good retailer or head over to Mossberg.com. All right. Uh, well, let's bring on our next guest. I know that Garrett Robertson is on the line. His buddy, Philip Robbins, supposed to be here. He's running a few minutes late, so hopefully he'll join us as soon as possible. But uh, Garrett's actually the one that was attacked by the wild boar, so we're glad to have you. Uh, what are you up to? I'm actually in my deer pen right now. I just got through. I got off work and I came over to feed the deer real quick. Oh, so you're a breeder? Uh, I do. Uh, me and my dad, we have a side business on uh, raising and breeding uh, fallow deer and black buck. Oh, right on. Yeah, I've shot quite a few black buck over the years. And man, you talk about price increase since uh, Snowmageddon. So many of those things didn't make it. I can say I ain't ever killed one of my own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you don't want to get high on your own supply. No. Deer prices going way up. I'd be losing money. Yeah, I mean, I think we lost a third of our black buck across the state um, when the the storm hit last February. So they're uh, they're worth twice as much as they were. Um, before we get into the events of the boar attacking you, uh, Garrett, just tell us a little bit about yourself as an outdoorsman. What you like to hunt or fish for, and where you're from. Uh, I'm from a small town called uh, Marquette, Texas. Uh, it's kind of central Texas area. I grew up hunting, fishing. My dad and grandpa, I, I do all kinds of hog hunting. I think me and Phil started hog hunting, for thermal hog hunting, about four years ago, four or five years ago together. Mm-hmm. And me and Phil grew up together. We went to the same school and uh, played sports and everything together. And uh, Yeah, I love catfish, putting lines down the river, bass fishing. I do as much saltwater fishing as I can. It's just any direction. It's at least three hour drive for me to get to saltwater. So I don't get to go as often. Oh, I hear you. For me, it's, uh, at least five and a half hours. So it's, uh, yeah. it's a couple times a year thing, but I definitely, <laughs> yeah. definitely enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, actually went to Florida in August for my 40th birthday to catch trophy snook, uh, which was yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was 
uh, maybe four or five months ago, maybe. Me and Philip and a couple other buddies, we went to uh, the Grand Isle out of Louisiana. We went tuna fishing. Oh, nice. Like 1,800 feet of water. And that was that was a once-in-a-lifetime trip for me. Yeah. Uh, but our first, first tuna to ever catch weighed 134 pounds. Oh, man. We, we all took turns, and it took us two and a half hours to reel that one fish in. <laughs> you like uh, sashimi, then? Oh, yeah. I'll try about anything, but I like it. It's, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, well, Philip was going to join us, but I know he, his work schedule is kind of up in the air. Yeah. And first of all, what were you guys doing? Where were you uh, when this happened? We were in uh, – we were on his – wife's family ranch it was out it was out towards west texas it's five hours west of here um okay. we we're gonna go dove hunting for the dove of dove uh opener and we we're gonna wait on a buddy that he was in the military with and he was from maryland but he had a he had to fly down and we didn't want to start hunting without him so we got there actually like that morning and he wasn't gonna be there flight didn't get there till like three o'clock so we had four or five hours to waste until we need to go pick him up at the airport. Uh-huh. And uh, so Philip said, hey, you want to go fishing? So we brought on a pair of shorts because it's a real shallow river. And uh, we uh, they got a deep hole in that one area where you catch bait and then you just catfish right there in that one little area and catch catfish all day long right there. That's on the Colorado River? Yes, sir. Man, I had to... Uh... I haven't done a lot of duck hunting on rivers, but the one that stands out was on the Colorado River near Ballinger. And really? Dude, oh my gosh. We just absolutely <laughs> destroyed the mallards. It was one of the coolest hunts ever. Like shooting ducks at eye level because we're sitting up on the riverbank and they're flying down the river. It was uh, something oh, I don't think we, we don't get to do a lot of that in Texas. It, it's kind of a hit or miss around here. You know, it's like they kind of kind of get here and you better hit them right then or they're just going to move on out move south further yeah yeah but so y'all are so you're catching bait and then trying to catch yeah. that fish oh uh-huh. we uh he got they've had they have this uh old ranch truck and it's pretty loud jacked up and we drove it all the way down to the river parked it right next to the river 10 yards away and there's some narrow spots right in there where like it's uh the bank kind of goes down into the water and then it kind of then it opens up the river kind of opens up right there and uh we were just catching bait philip got tired of throwing the cast net so i told him i'll take over and he took the fishing pole onto the other side and uh yeah philip hey philip just texted me he said he just woke up (laughs) (laughs) uh he grabbed the fishing pole and went went on across the river and i was like well i'm gonna walk back towards the truck well we done kind of went by that area two or three times of walking through that tall grass. I mean, this grass is probably four and a half foot, five foot tall. I mean, we've seen a little bit of hog sign, and they, they were just now seeing hog sign there, like the first time ever in that area because it's all rocky except for right there at the river. I don't know how the hog didn't run away whenever we pulled up in that loud truck. Uh-huh. or we'd been there for maybe 10 minutes probably and the only difference was i walked on these tall weeds on the other side of it and as soon as i uh 
gotten to about the middle of them weeds right there. All of a sudden, I heard a deep grunt, and then a split second later, I felt the hog hit the graze the side, side of my leg on my left side. So you never even Not, saw the hog coming? No. I, I mean, he was literally probably a foot away, bedded up in them tall weeds right there. Never saw him. So that's amazing. And why a, a big boar, a lone boar, wouldn't be spooked is beyond me. And I've only ever had this happen one time where I almost stepped on a like a 200-pound sow. Uh, yeah. We were, we, we were duck hunting up around Sherman, and we, I mean, we were smashing the ducks. There was like five or six of us, and the wind was howling, so we were getting close to where I was like, you know what, we need to do a, a body count here and just <laughs> make sure that we are not getting too close to that number and the wind yeah. was blowing the birds to the opposite bank of this small lake faster than bell could go pick them up so finally i was like okay y'all just stop shooting let's i'm gonna walk over here so i think we're about four or five ducks short but we just need to make sure and uh we go over there and like i said we've been shooting for like 30 minutes at this point uh and i almost step on this and it's just real rusty orange colored sow jumps up and i'm like oh my gosh and so i instinctively just unload the shotgun as she's running away and dude, she tumbles and she, it ended up killing her but then i look around and dude there's like a bunch of little tiny piglets there and i was like oh okay that's why she didn't leave is because she had a, a i mean these were like a couple days old you know tiny little things but so that made sense like i almost yeah. stepped on this pig why that boar didn't booger off uh, uh that's kind of surprising man to this day i don't know what happened. I mean, it's just a freak accident. I think so, Philip just joined us. Philip, know. are you there? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm here. All right. So, well, yeah. So yeah. Garrett, Garrett was just talking about how y'all were on uh, y'all's family place and we're uh, catching some bait so you could go catfishing. And you'd been there. You guys had been there for like ten minutes, and this this board just all of a sudden pops up. And so Garrett, it actually ran between your legs. Oh, he ran on my left side. Okay. Yeah, he he. The only, I mean, I don't know exactly where he was bedded. I just know he was in the weeds, and it was just a deep grunt. And a split second later, uh, I feel him run right into me. Hmm. And, and like it wasn't a glancing thing. Like he he hit you pretty good. He knocked me to my knees, and I just kind of I didn't know exactly where he went after that. I just kind of hmm. gathered myself and lunged forward, and not knowing exactly where I was. I uh, lunged right into the river. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, but when I when he knocked me to my knees, I could I caught a glimpse of him running towards the truck, and uh, that's when Philip could see what the hog was doing after he left the weed line and he got to the truck. Yeah, and Philip, you said the hog just ran right into the truck. He ran right to the tailgate of the truck, and he started hitting his head underneath the bed and lifting the ass in up and then he uh he did that a couple times and i was just amazed just like uh what he was doing then uh he got up on top of the hill and he looked back and i was like oh he's gonna come back and then he just kind of grunted and just walked off like he owned the place It's crazy. I mean, it's just, I mean, I've never seen a pig act like that. Just like, uh, I mean, I I don't, I'm, I, I, I've never understood it, never seen anything like that before. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And you don't hear about them being aggressive very often. I mean, 
No. Unless unless they're wounded. Um, I had this lady on. It's been five or six years ago, and her son shot and wounded a giant boar, and they went into this thicket looking for it, and the thing ran between her legs and cut both of the insides of her thighs. Um, wow. You know that that thing was wounded. This one wasn't. So that type yeah. of uh, aggressive dominant display is not something you hear a lot about. Usually, feral oh, hogs yeah. just you know they want to they want to get away from you as much as you want them away from you. So yeah. Uh, yeah, and 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 he was. I mean, he was probably just bet it down, but he wasn't cornered. He could have went any other way. Yeah, that was also. I mean, that and he is. He could have went any other way. He just was in grass, and he just happened to go through Garrett. Yeah, yeah, like he sought him out. Um, so then, Garrett, you, what what happens next? When do you when do you you, you obviously realize that the hog hits you? Do you know that yeah. you've been cut pretty bad at that point? No. Well, I mean, there for like probably the first three seconds, maybe. I didn't know. I felt the hog, but I never knew I was cut until I got my feet underneath me and my leg was hurt and throbbing. And I looked down and this already got blood all the way down to my feet already. And mm. that's why I yelled over. I said, man, I'm cut. And Philip thought it was just a small cuts because I, I don't know how I guess I just kept my composure because I like I wasn't freaking out or anything so uh -huh. Philip thought it wasn't that bad until he got over to me <laughs> he, he said it just like he just told you hey I'm cut like yeah no big deal <laughs> yeah well reality is that it was a huge deal and you know pretty quickly your buddy's life hangs in the balance so We'll, uh, we'll pick it back up with the care flight and the severity of the injury. And also, did you guys ever catch back up with this cantankerous old boar? All that coming at you next. That segment brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy in Marion and San Antonio, Texas, as well as Lone Star Ag Credit, who've been helping their borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over 100 years. They'll do the same for you. You can find them at LoneStarAgCredit.com. We'll be right back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Hey, y'all. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Let's face it, guys. We all would love to own land, right? But they're not making any more of it. However... There's a solution. Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over 100 years. Whether you want it for recreating, ranching, fishing, hunting, or just to get the hell out of Dodge for the weekend, visit Lone Star Ag Credit today to start making that dream a reality. Hey guys, Cable here. And if there's one service, one company that I rely on heavily when planning my next backcountry hunt, it's Onyx Hunt. They have for a long time, set the gold standard when it comes to giving me the information I need to basically predict where I'm going to find animals. And if you can hone in on where the animals are going to be, you're going to be more successful. 
Onyx uses their own topo maps, plus, I mean, geographical features like watering holes or a meadow system that works its way down a mountainside where you know those elk are going to be feeding and muleys in the morning and evenings. Yeah, it'll show you that as well. Uh, plus, of course, private property boundaries. Where does the National Forest end? Where does Rancher Joe's property start? Yeah, it's going to show you that as well. So whether you're planning a backcountry hunt or just picking ambush points to hang your tree stands on your whitetail property, Onyx shows it all to you. They've got different layers you can apply to a uh, specific grid or a piece of property. It's really rad. And here's the cool thing. You'll save 20% when you order your Onyx subscription by using my promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out at onxmaps.com. Spawn is right around the corner. Your reels have been re-spooled and the tackle box is ready to roll. But the question is, can your truck handle another season of pulling your boat in and out of the water every weekend? Call David Boone at Third Coast Diesels. He'll make sure your truck is not what sinks your next fishing trip. Offering a widespread array of diesel parts and services, call 214-326-1176 or visit thirdcoastdiesels.com today. There's the late great Rusty Weir. Mama, I don't want to lay this guitar down. Bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you. Thanks for dropping by today as we are tusks deep in a wild boar attack that resulted in uh, one of our guests having to be care flighted to some hospital. I don't even know where, actually. They ended up taking Garrett, but we'll pick it back up with uh, Garrett Robertson and Philip Robbins here momentarily as things are about to get really serious for Garrett, for sure. But first, this segment brought to you by my favorite rifle scope of 2021. I'm talking about the Vortex Venom 5 to 25 by 56 full focal plane. It's a 34 millimeter tube. Available in both MOA or MRAD specs, uh, whatever you prefer. And it retails for under 700 bucks. Like, if you want to get into long-range shooting, but you don't want to drop a mint on your optic, this is a great way to do that. It's the Vortex Venom, and you can find it at vortexoptics.com. With that being said, um, Philip, Garrett, before the break, you know, we had just gotten to the point where this big boar stuck Garrett in the leg. Uh, as he ran past him, really attacked him, and then headed straight to the pickup, tried to lift it up off the ground multiple times, like behavior that you don't ever hear about in a feral hog. Uh, Garrett has told you at this point, Philip, that he's cut, but he said it so calmly, you don't realize the severity of the injury until you walk over to him. First thing I see it, and the blood's pumping. I mean, the truck is literally 10 yards, so I run to the truck, and I see if I have anything to for a tourniquet because I know he's going to need a tourniquet. It was that bad. Uh-huh. I didn't have anything, so uh, I should have just used my shirt or something, but I got him out. Oh, we, I ran back to him. His leg was still stuck kind of in the mud, and I yeah. told him it's about to hurt. Uh, well, I lifted his leg out and uh, threw him in the truck, and we hauled butt to the house. and. Um, the house is just like a two-minute drive. 
and we set them down. We got like this rock stone bench in front of the house and we set them down. I went into the house. I grabbed some, um, some stuff to uh, have a tourniquet for and fill it in. And, uh, actually quit bleeding at that time. He, uh, I guess when he was sitting down, the pressure on how he was bending his knee mm -hmm. was uh, cutting off the circulation because he was kind of had his knee kind of like, I guess, pushed to his chest. Yeah. And uh, it quit bleeding. I just had to keep him up. And um, so did you actually use the tourniquet or no? No, no. After I, I didn't want to put it on um, just because if he just already quit bleeding, I didn't want to put it on. And then. Yeah. Uh, it just if it, I just watched it, made sure it wasn't bleeding anymore. And after that, uh, so out there where we're at, pretty much, if anything bad happens, you pretty much have life light come out there, mm -hmm. um, just because it's so far in the middle of nowhere and there's no really hospitals close by. Yeah. Um, just like an urgent care, usually the Coleman uh, will bring an ambulance and they'll just kind of get you ready, prepped, and everything. Just they are not going to drive you all the way to San Angelo. So uh, I called 911. Uh, I told them we will need a life light. And um, they had a little trouble finding our address. But uh, after telling them the pivot was on, and we were the only people running the pivot at the time, um, they were able to locate us and uh, get, get, get Garrett in there. I think it was 30 minutes it took them after the – time we got cut to uh time and lift off oh wow that's pretty efficient oh yes being, being out in the sticks for sure oh yes did you see the video of black when we were in the truck yeah it's pretty gruesome man graphic gnarly all of it but yeah. it's, so as soon as you got me in the truck we start going it's kind of like a long straightaway pretty much on where he's driving uh -huh. and i took that video myself of it you know pretty much leaking all the way down my leg and everything. that video and probably about 15 seconds after I stopped that video, I almost passed out. So he shook me a couple times to keep me awake. Yeah, but uh, yeah, during that, during that whole weight of the helicopter, it was, it was pretty hard to stay conscious. I was getting weak. I could just getting weaker, weaker. Uh, uh, what did you give me, Philip? What? Four ibuprofen, water. Yeah, that, that's I about all uh, I was told to give them. Was uh, ibuprofen and water? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, it looks like just describing this wound, it's like right below your, your knee. And it's like, I don't know how far around your leg it goes, but I mean, it's a massive cut. Uh, it's, it's at least probably. A third of the leg. That's cut. Yeah. Oh. It, it, it goes pretty much where the bend of your knee starts on the side, uh -huh. almost to directly in the center of your shin, almost to that. It, it was seven inches long on my yeah. leg. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm just looking at the picture, dude. I mean, it's just, I mean, it just looks like somebody took a knife and just went to town. It's a huge gash oh, yeah. there. Um, so, so what was the damage once you get to the hospital? What what ended up being the? Uh, he fractured the head of the fibula bone with his tusk, and his tusk uh, fractured your leg. 
Yeah, it fractured the fibula of the bone. Oh my gosh. Yeah, from the from the X ray, you could see where it was just you know splintered and stuff right across the on the, on the head of it. Uh, so the doctor told me I was lucky in three ways. Uh, a quarter inch deeper, it would have cut that main artery. Hmm. Uh, an eighth inch deeper, it would have cut that nerve that works your ankle. Mm-hmm. And then he said, he said if you would have got cut the same depth, the same angle, everything, but above your knee, he said you definitely would have bled out and hit that artery. Wow. That's intense, man. And, and how, how big was this pig? So after all this, about five months later, I killed that pig in the exact same spot that Gary got cut at. Exact same spot. He, I had a girth weigh him because he maxed out this 250-pound scale. And uh, I think I girthed him right at like 315. Oh, that's huge. Anything over 300 pounds is an absolute behemoth when it comes to feral hogs. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't a bar pig. He was a solid boar pig. Uh, and I knew it was him because we don't have – at the time, I only seen one group of pigs out there, and I actually killed that group that night. Mm-hmm. But um, I had one other boar on camera, and he was red. <laughs> up on top and black on the bottom. He had like black shoes. Hmm. And that's the same pig that I shot in the exact same spot where Garrett got cut. <laughs> you had to like unload a, a full magazine on this thing. Yeah. So, uh, I was thermal hunting. I went out of February and, uh, I drove up on top of the hill and I saw a pig down there. I shot him twice in the shoulder and he took off and he stopped right at in front of the river. So the river, we call it a swimming hole. It's got a 20-foot drop, but it's got a rock flat right before that. And it's about mm-hmm. six inches deep. He stopped right there, and I shot him five more times. Oh, and wow. finally, he fell down. And then I put, finally put one close to his head because I didn't. Well, I wanted to save his head for Garrett. And I put one right in his neck uh, right when I walked up to him. And then I unloaded a magazine going into that grass because I was just – I'm by myself and I already saw what happened. So, I didn't want to yeah. go in that grass right there. So, <laughs> I unloaded a magazine before I went in even close to him. Yeah. But um, I, I, he maxed the scale out. I think he was about five foot long. And I, I forget the girth, but the girth was – it was insane. And, Garrett, um, the, the pig only had one one cutter? Yeah. So, which we don't know if that cutter was broke off when he cut me or after he cut me or what, but whatever Philip got killed him, he only had one good cutter on that right side, which was the side that cut me. It's like he only, yeah, I, he knew that he, maybe he only had one cutter and he was like, I'm going to mess this guy up. Yeah. Cause when he fell down, I was like, Oh, it's him. And then I looked up and I was like, Oh, you don't even have a t- uh, tooth. And I was huh. like, Oh, it can't be him. And then I flipped him over and I saw that one. And I was like, "Oh yes, this is him. This is him, without doubt." Yeah. I haven't had a boar back there. I finally just got another pig, another big boar on camera, mm. and it's been a while. So yeah. it was definitely crazy. Uh, out of all the pig hunting we do, and to have something happen like that while we we're fishing, <laughs> it's yeah. just. Uh, but we, we both say, luckily, Garrett's a, a big boy, and uh, we both say it, we're pretty lucky because if it would have been me, I probably would have took my whole leg off just because how little my legs are compared to Garrett's. <laughs> and uh, that we, that we always say, man, thank God, we, uh, he, he hit Garrett, not me. <laughs> yes. Yes. 
So, so Garrett, how many staples, stitches? I mean, you said that it it fractured your your leg there with its cutter, but uh, what was the the other damage? Fractured the fibula, and then so they went in, and when I got to the hospital, they were pretty amazed about it because uh, they told me I was the first patient in history with a hog cut to come in that hospital. So I had doctors and head doctors come in and ask them to take pictures of my leg. Amazed me, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they, so they took me in, cleaned it. They sutured it up on the inside, and then it was 27 staples on the outside. Wow. 27 staples. And so, and that wasn't all because it's where you were. I mean, you're in this picture of your bloody, muddy leg. I mean... Yeah. With an open wound like that, I'm sure all kinds of bacteria was oh, yeah. was in your leg. It was I stayed in the hospital one day right there. My parents came and got me because I, I told I told well when I got to the hospital and they knew or Philip found out that I was gonna be all right, he went and picked up our buddy, Tyler, and then brought him back the next day. And I told him, I said, Man, y'all go hunt. I said, I'll be fine, y'all keep going hunting i didn't want to risk tyler from flying all the way in from maryland so i was like man y'all keep y'all just go ahead and go hunt i'll be fine so the next day they came up and saw me tyler and philip and then i think i got discharged at like four o'clock something like that in the evening mm-hmm. and then on the way home i started running a very bad fever and it's mm. a sour drive home and i about halfway there is when I started running fever. And my mom is a RN uh, labor and delivery nurse. So she called, uh, heard some doctors that she knows at the hospital. She works at at Father Scott White College Station. And they told her to go ahead and bring me in. So we literally stopped by the house, grabbed clothes, and went straight on. I never got out of the truck. So I was in the truck for seven hours. Mm. Uh, they start running, I think, two or three uh, medications through me to figure out something that they don't know what infection has set in. And they don't run all kinds of tests. And it was, I got infection from the water. Out of everything, I got infection from the water. <laughs> a bacteria infection from the water. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with a, that kind of an open wound, it's not it's not uh, unfathomable to think that yeah. that was probably almost likely to get some kind of infection yeah. there. Yes. Man. And so I was in the hospital for five days right there. It took, it took them that long. Mm. Well, it, took them, it took them three days to figure out a medication to stop the fever. And during that time, I was... They were coming in every hour and drawing blood and taking my temperature and blood pressure. So I never got to sleep hardly at all those first three days. And finally found the right one. It was working. And then I finally got discharged after five days. So went home on a walker pretty much. Couldn't hardly walk. And went back for multiple checkups and they said it's just not getting better and then uh 
they took another CT scan and found out the infection was directly on that fracture. So that's, oh, wow. that's why my leg was just hurting constantly all the time. So the doctor took me back in for a second surgery to clean it out. And it was like immediately three hours after surgery back in my room. It's like nothing happened to my leg. I was, I was up and walking like nothing happened. It didn't hurt no more. Like right then. Wow. So he got that infection cleaned up and you're good to go. Yes. Yes. He said he cleaned it and then he cleaned it two more times while he was in there. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty incredible. I, um, I had something similar one time I, I had my appendix taken out and I, I was at the house by myself and I was like, man, something doesn't feel good. And I looked up appendicitis on the internet and I was like, Oh crap. My appendix is about to explode. So I drove myself, I drove to the hospital, told the nurses, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure y'all need to take my appendix out now. Like, Oh, sir, sir, calm down. We're, we'll get you checked in. You know, and like an hour later, they were like, sir, you have appendicitis. I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they ended up rushing me into surgery, take out my appendix. I go home for like two days and then it starts hurting worse than it had hurt previously. And so I go back to the hospital and they're like, Oh yeah. When we took it out, some of the bile that was, you know, from your inflamed appendix spilled into your gut and now you've got an infection in there. So they didn't actually have to go in and do surgery, but they had to put me back on antibiotics and then, and then give me some like Dilaudid, which, I don't, I've never done heroin, but I imagine that's what it's like. <laughs> my wife was like, you went from the most pain I've ever seen you in to like high as a kite and telling everybody how much you love them in like five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, those secondary infections, dude, those, uh, those, you know, you can't mess around with those things, but so yeah, the scar is pretty gnarly. I'm sure you, you get a lot of, uh, second looks oh, yeah. at your leg be like, what happened to that dude? It's got it's gonna be real a... deep attention. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's, uh, it's incredible. And I, and I'm sure that when you tell them the story, that's, that, that was like, Oh, that's not what I thought you were going to say happened. Yeah. Hey, we Man. posted them. Pictures. I had one guy accuse us of, uh, saying I'm a liar. And then I cut myself with a chainsaw. Well, it, it does look like, it looks like a scene from chainsaw massacre, really <laughs> to be frank. So Yeah. So, and this happened in 2019, you're, other than just having an gnarly scar, you're, you're all perfectly fine now? Yep. Everything's back to normal. Leg works fine. Uh, no, uh, just in the cold, cold winter part, it does ache a little bit, but that's yeah. about it. Huh. Yeah. And so do you guys still hunt, uh, feral hogs with the same fervor that you did before the accident? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> probably probably even angrier now huh <laughs> yeah yeah I, mean, I, got turn- I got two tourniquets in the uh like in the truck now oh, yeah right on. right on i mean i i got i have people come and ask me if i got ptsd from it i'm like no i ain't got ptsd but i'm like i'm just a little bit more aware of what can happen but i ain't got ptsd over it yeah and now I just want to kill every boar that exists. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Couple, well, couple cleanup shots, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what a what an ordeal. Uh, like I said, you don't you don't hear about people suffering serious injury from feral hogs very often, 
but when you do yeah. it's it's usually it's usually pretty bad and it's all and it's always a bore uh yeah. you don't hear like oh i got attacked by a sow no it's always an you know a pissed off boar a wounded boar i think in 12 years of doing this you're maybe the fourth person i've come across that uh got attacked by a boar like to where they actually had to go to the hospital uh so it doesn't happen frequently but when it does happen it can be pretty nasty and um certainly glad that you've made a full recovery and uh garrett and philip so definitely appreciate your time thanks for telling us uh your story and it's one of those things where it's not like you could say oh uh i wish i would have done this or i was careless you know because a lot of those times like going in after a wounded one you could say oh yeah that was pretty stupid this one is just like complete chance that you got attacked by a boar yeah yeah i i mean i don't know about your other hog cuts but i ain't never heard of anybody else just like i mean like your story you said you walked up on a hog I mean, it could have happened to you on that on that style you were talking about when you duck hunting. Oh, could yeah. have went right. Well, and, or, and had my lab there, and it could have you could have cut up my dog. You know, I mean, they know. Oh that. yeah, yeah. And I highly doubt your dog your dog's probably gonna stay down. I mean, it's probably gonna start fighting with it. Man, I I certainly uh, appreciate y'all's time. Thanks so much for for jumping on today. Yes, sir. And, oh yeah. Uh, wish you guys a great a great hunting season. Thank you. All right, have a good one. Yes, sir. So there you have it, the unprovoked wild boar attack on Garrett Robertson uh, while his buddy Philip and him were at the, their favorite little fishing hole out in West Texas. Crazy stuff. And uh, you do hear that feral hogs, really the boars, are mean as hell. There's your proof. So uh, be careful. Unlikely to happen to you, but certainly can. And by the way, if you want to give uh, Garrett and Philip a follow on Instagram, it's at Infected Outdoors. Check it out. Lots of great hunting and fishing content. That segment of the presentation brought to you by Numa Outdoors and their Black Friday sale, which is going on right now. Uh, huge savings. Head over to NumaOutdoors.com to check out their full lineup of outdoor hunting apparel. Unfortunately, we got to go. Got to get out of here. Uh, thanks to all of our guests today, Alan Kane of Texas Parks and Wildlife, Philip Garrett as well. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of STI's Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors. <laughs>